0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. The views expressed by guests on this program do not necessarily represent the views of the host or owners of the Doggy Diva Show and do not necessarily constitute endorsement of products. Medical information discussed by guests on this program are those of the guests and is only for informational purposes and should not replace medical advice by your local veterinarian professional.
1: Hi, this is Susan Marie from the Doggy Diva Show. This week, helpful tips on trimming your pet's nails safely and an inspiring new TV show on animal behavior. That's what's on our show this week. Let's get started.
0: Hey, did you hear that? What is that? It's the bark heard round the world. The Doggy Diva Show. Here's national award winning author and animal advocate, Susan Marie.
1: Hi, welcome to The Doggy Diva Show, the show for animal lovers. I'm your host, Susan Marie, and as always, I'm joined by my canine co-hosts, the Doggy Divas themselves, Francesca, Coco, and our newest little diva, Miss Olive. Miss Olive is the cute little Italian greyhound rescue in the picture with the microphone. Thank you for joining us today as we bring the experts in the pet and animal world right to you. Email us at doggydivashow at AOL.com, that's D-O-G-G-Y, D-I-V-A show at AOL.com. We love hearing from you. So go grab a cup of coffee and your pet's favorite treat, and we'll be back in just a moment.
0: Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help.
1: Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition.
0: Pick up two bottles of Chops, Get the third bottle free.
2: New
3: improved Chops. With omega 3, omega 6, vitamin E,
0: and now six extra direct fed microbials.
3: Even better for the digestive tract and immune system.
0: Try Liquor Chops. Buy two, get one free at Dynavite.com. Dinovite.com.
4: D I N O V I T E.com.
0: Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Divas Show. I am here with Monica Layton, president of Professional Pet Sitting. And, Monica, you know, as important it is for us to groom our nails, as I always say to the girls, you're going for your mani-pedi when they go to get their nails um, done. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, nail trims, some tips on it? first thing I tell anybody
2: when they get a new cat, new dog, any kind of puppy especially, um, you know, play with the feet as often as possible and get them used to that because there's so many dogs that come in, you know, where they have to see the veterinarian and they have to, I mean, it's no fun having to wrestle a dog to try to trim their nails. And, it, you know, as they grow out, they get longer, you know, it becomes painful and hard for them to walk. So, you know, appropriate nail care is just a necessity for their comfort. But you want to make it something that they're not, you know, going to stress out and, you know, have a very, very bad experience in, in clipping. So first things first is definitely, you know, trying to desensitize as much as possible. Um, one thing that we do sometimes to distract is... Um, you know, having somebody with a treat so you're actually giving them food and they're eating something while you're trimming a couple nails. So it's a good tip at home. Um, even putting them in like a bathtub where they don't have a lot of room to walk around. And um, we've smeared peanut butter on the wall. And as they lick the peanut butter, then you're picking up a paw at a time. You know, you do the front leg and the back leg while they're, you know, facing one wall. And then you smear peanut butter on the opposite wall and you turn them around so then you can get the other two legs on the opposite side. Um, little things of that nature, you know, to where they're getting a special treat. It's not so bad. They're, you know, they're figuring out, you know, they obviously know what you're doing when you start doing it, but... Sometimes that reward offsets the, uh, (laughs) the experience so that, you know, it makes it okay. Another thing that you can do and things you should be cautious with is if you are doing it at home, make sure that you have like a quick stop or a septic stick, something like that, to where if you do, you know, nick it or make the nail a little too short and it does bleed, you can put something on there right away. Um, nails are very sensitive. It's kind of like with people when you break a nail or stub a toe, they can really, they can really bleed. They can be very uncomfortable. So, you know, having something at home and handy right there. Um, you definitely want that. You don't, you know, want a big mess and then have to run out to a store and find something. Um, another thing is, you know, making sure that you know, you do know how to appropriately clip a nail. Um, you know, talk to your veterinarian, you know, when you first get a dog and have them show you, you know, look at your pet's feet. And generally, for example, starting with cats. Cats' nails are generally white. The majority of them are. And usually you can see where the quick, which is the bloodline, goes through. And i will have like a light pink um, line that goes through, you know, a portion of the nail cats are generally the easiest to tell where you're supposed to clip because when you pick up a cat's paw and one thing you can do is if you have more than one person at home Wrap up the cat in a blanket or towel like a little burrito. Make it feel warm and secure and take one little paw out at a time. That way they're not kicking or scratching or trying to get down. You know, have that person hold the cat, you know, pet them, tell them it's okay. You know, you got your little swaddled burrito there and you just pull out one paw at a time. When you... When you put your thumb or fingers in the bottom of the, like where the bigger pad is, the nails should naturally come out on their own. So then you can see how long they are, what needs to be clipped. So if you hold the paw in one hand, extending the paws, you can clip with the other. And you'll see with cats, the fatter end that's closest to the paw has the quick. And then you'll see it'll get a very thin, almost scoopy end. So cats always have that natural little scoop at the end of the nails. And what you want to clip off is the scoop. You don't want to, you know, touch like the fatter area of the nail. You want the thin little scoop off. And as long as you stick to that level, you don't go, you know, where the pink part is, you know, where the quick is growing through and you get your cats used to that, you know, there's no reason to have to declaw or anything, you know, of that nature. There's so many, you know, deterrents for cats as far as scratching and keeping their nails short and at a good healthy level will, you know, help with any kind of destructiveness as well. So that's, you know, the key as far as, you know, trimming cats' nails and getting them used to it. For dogs, dogs are not always quite as easy. Some dogs have, you know, the white tips where you can see where you should clip. And some dogs' nails are totally black. Um, we've actually had, we have some that, some are black and some are white. Um, if you have, you know, the ones with the white tips, obviously you can see, you know, where you should be clipping. And you just want to stay just a bit past where the quick is. So leave a little bit of a white tip on the end to make sure that you're not... Um, You know, cutting too close, rewarding the entire time. And if you have a pet that's not generally fond of nail clipping and you're trying to get them used to it, like maybe you're starting later in life or you have a rescue pet that's new to you, but it's an older pet and hasn't had great experience in the past. You know, make it very rewarding. Lots of plays, lots of special treats and go slow. I mean, even if you clip two or three nails a day, over the span of a week, you can get them all done. And, you know, as you build up to getting more and more at one time, the easier it will become. But just don't, you know, stress the pet out too much, you know, doing a nail clipping. Um, some tips that if you have um, totally black nails on a pet, you know, you can sometimes if you look on the bottom of the nail, you can see the line for the quick you'll see the pinkness but it's actually on the underneath portion of the nail so if you look at the nail backwards oftentimes you can see the little line and where it starts if you can't then clip a small portion off and as long as there's no bleeding you can kind of use that as a guide for the rest of the nails um, one thing that helps with keeping the nails short um, and actually not so sharp a lot of um, when you have kids or elderly patients, people with thinner skin um, on certain medications that bleed easily, um, just using a regular nail file. Um, you know, just on the ends of the nails, because after you do clip the nails, they do get sharp because, you know, they're being clipped with the clipper, so they have a sharp little edge. So even just really, just real fast and easy, just go over the edge real fast with a nail file. That'll make it a little less sharp, and that way, you know, there's no, you know, scratching or anything if a pet jumps on you. But if you stick to those couple tips, it should make nail clipping a lot easier for you at home. And if there's any questions, you can always ask your veterinarian
1: when you're in for your exam
2: examination or
1: physical. Those are great tips and it helps a lot because sometimes I think it's that great unknown. I know Olive has black and white fingernails, so it's like, oops, but you know what, Olive, we're going to get ready now for our manny patty. She's all excited because she knows it's treat day. So thank you very much, Monica. This is great information. Thank you. Have a great week. Hello, everyone. Miss Olive and Sophia the Doggy Diva want to thank you for your amazing response to their special book, Miss Olive Finds Her Forever Home. And they want to let you know that Miss Olive Finds Her Forever Home is now available in both hardcover and softcover, and that's at Amazon.com. As Miss Olive says, woohoo, yippee!
3: Thank
0: you, everyone.
3: everyone, Michelle Fern here. You know how they say you are what you eat? Well, guess what? Same is true for your fur babe. Did you know that 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut and that supporting the immune system through proper diet and digestive health helps your pet to better fight environmental allergies? It's true. I have a grandpa dog as I call him. Mr. Z is now 14 and Over the years, you know, he's had his issues, but lately he's had a lot of allergies. And I've recently put him on a solid gold diet, and I have noticed a major difference. His arthritis, doggy arthritis, doesn't seem to bother him as much. His old dog nose has healed up very nicely. He just has a different kind of a spirit. He just seems overall better. And I attribute that to what he's eating, his solid gold food. Solid Gold Foods are different than a lot of the pet foods out there because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, they're balanced with living probiotics, and they're fueled with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids, which supports gut health and nourishes your pet inside and out. And right now, Solid Gold is offering an amazing offer to all of our listeners. Yep! Right now, you can get thirty percent off your first order by visiting solidgoldpet.com/petlife. That's solidgoldpet.com/petlife for thirty percent off your first order. Go ahead and take advantage of this great offer.
0: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. Nat Geo Wild is dedicated to providing a unique insight into the natural world, the environment, and the amazing creatures that inhabit it. In the show Dog Impossible, airing Sunday nights at 10, 9 central time on Nat Geo Wild, dog behavior specialist Matt Beisner works with the most dangerous, aggressive, and most misunderstood dogs in the country. These are the dogs that other trainers don't want to touch the ones that everyone's given up on, and there's even been some recommendations that the pet be put down. Having had a few of these dogs in my lifetime, I understand the importance of Matt's work. Totally respect it. We're so honored to have with us today Matt Biner, to share his incredible journey and tell us all about his show, Dog Impossible. Welcome, Matt.
4: Thank you so much. It's, it's a pleasure to share the the. The microphone and the stage with Miss Olive. First of all, <laughs>
1: oh, she's right next to me. She's like all into it. <laughs> and her and I both congratulate you on the success of your new show, Dog Impossible. Thank you. Great show. Now, can you? You have an amazing background. Can you tell the listeners about your background and about your journey to becoming a dog behavior specialist?
4: Yeah, my journey was. Uh, unorthodox in that I was bit by a dog when I was a kid on Halloween and uh, this typical scenario the dog was wagging its tail and my, my parents like a, like a lot of us used to believe that a, a wagging tail means a green light and so I, I went to pet the dog and the German Shepherd lunged and punctured me in the arm and from that point on for the next 30 years I was afraid of dogs and uh, wouldn't want to cross the street um and run into a dog, wouldn't want to be in the same house with a dog. It just the fear just escalated. We didn't really have the tools, my family and I, to work through that fear. And um cut to me having to address a lot of the ramifications of my own fear and the behavior that came out of it. And I ended up needing uh to detox from drugs and alcohol. And in that process I was living with my girlfriend at the time and she had a, a nine maybe eight month old terrier little tiny thing who was aggressive and so i was living at her house trying to detox and this dog would attack me every time i'd get up he'd go after me i'd put my food down he'd fight me for my food and it was a real it was a real nightmarish experience it's funny now but it wasn't then and and i realized that uh, while i was trying to get healthy again i needed to Managed to get along with this dog. I wasn't even really thinking about helping him. I just needed to figure out a, a way to live with the dog. But what started was started the the whole process was that I got to get him out on a walk, and then I got to spend time with him, and then I'd sit with him, and I just started to build a relationship with him. And I didn't know then what I know now that I was actually beginning to lay the groundwork for what would become the way of the Zen dog. And that is, if I want to change a dog's behavior, I have to change my relationship with the dog, and that dog in no uncertain terms helped me um, stay alive, honestly, because I had a sense of purpose and it wasn't about me. This selfish life I'd been living was no longer about me. It was about this, this um, little tiny rescue pup that needed somebody to help them manage in the world. And the, the parallels became pretty clear along the way for what happens with the dogs I work with and what happens uh, in my own life.
1: Well, you know, that's so important. And I'm so happy that you shared that with us. And, and, you know, I believe in, and I know from what you you're show and what your uh, your work is that you believe too. and if you could just explain a little bit about that to us the importance of that human animal bond in um, training them in helping them with any behavior issues, which I believe having done it myself, actually helps us as the pet parent in the long run.
4: I appreciate you asking about the bond specifically. There's a difference between attachment and bonding, and, and bonding to me is where the the, the healthy, nurturing, uh, appropriately independent relationships are built, and the attachments are the stuff that I kind of arrive with as a human, you know, the baggage that I arrive into a relationship with a dog or another person with. So the bonding, we're built for that. If If we consider that dogs have been domesticated for about 15,000 years, we're genetically wired. Dogs and humans to live together, and we have, for various reasons, we've domesticated dogs and and bred them so that they could serve us or make us feel good, et cetera. The reality is that we're responsible for their well-being. We are. We've committed to that 15,000 years ago. So to to work outside of the understanding or consideration of that bond really is counterintuitive to nature and how the dogs are wired. And I don't need to... I, I understand now that being an alpha is just about being a good parent. There's an amazing bird's-eye view of a pack of wolves uh, that were moving through Yellowstone, I believe, and, and what the, um, the canine scientists were able to identify is that the alpha dogs were not out in front necessarily looking for trouble or trying to prove themselves. They were actually uh, intentionally sprinkled amongst the pack so that they could make sure that the pack as a whole was cared for. So when I look at it being an alpha as being a good parent, and I consider that I have this this animal with me that I, that I am responsible for, then I got to start from there. And if I start from there, I immediately begin with a level of respect and consideration that I wouldn't if I was trying to control the behavior or make the dog behave a certain way so that I felt better. And practically what it looks like is if I help a dog learn how to calm itself down, then that dog can make better choices. And when it makes better choices, it actually gets free of what's been keeping it trapped. It's fear, it's aggression, it's anxiety, et cetera.
1: That's really important you say that. You know, I I talked about some of the dogs in in my life I've been rescuing for well over 25 years, and they were the dogs that had severe um, separation anxiety, and that fear crippled them, and it it took a lot to change them. And I know that in your work, you work with dogs that have separation anxiety and, and, and are like uh, fear aggressive, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. How do you work with dogs like that?
4: Well, what you said is important in that we're talking about fear aggression almost in every case. 90% of aggression, this is scientifically proven, 90% of aggression is fear-based. So if I in essence, remove the fear or help the dog get free of the fear, then we're not actually dealing with aggression anymore. And I got to go into a relationship with a dog, considering that that dog is just afraid, which like like I did and like a lot of humans would, means that they're going to act out inappropriately. So if I can treat that, then the dog can begin to make better choices. And the way that I do that in particular is... This is counterintuitive and counter-emotional to the way that I used to work. I operate from a place of respect first. Emotionally, I always want to lead with love. That's just, that's my human component. But what I have found empirically is that one of the leading causes uh, of unwanted behavior, including aggression, and um, or contributors, I should say, and one of the most negatively impactful aspects of the human-dog relationship is excessive or inappropriate affection.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: This is a boondoggle for people like me that, that just want to love dogs or for a lot of my friends in the, in the rescue world because we're drawn usually by the heart and I have to practice detachment, and that's key for what we do here because if I create a safe space for the dog and let the dog start to work things out, then it begins to operate from the frontal lobe in, the, in a different way. It can create new neural pathways. But if I keep a dog in a loop where it is um, it arrives or becomes codependent on me to fix the situation or to mitigate its fear, if it becomes codependent on me, then it doesn't actually grow out of that, and it's a tricky it's a tricky process. Uh, not only because of the emotional impulses that I might have, but also that for any of us, having worked with a lot of risk groups along the way too, and looking at what happens with the foster system and everything that's along the way in getting a dog to a place where it's safe and secure, all of us have this incredibly important role to play in that chain of community where we can knowingly or unknowingly negatively impact the dog's behavior and chances for having a safe rescue down the road. So detachment is where I start. I know it's a long answer, but there's a lot to it. And because you're so deeply involved in the rescue world, this to me is a great opportunity to get to talk to, to, um, the community that you're a part of and, uh, And start a conversation about how, for for me, from a teaching and I would say more specifically training perspective, how we can help support what people like yourselves who are on the front lines are doing so that when we get the dog to where we want it to be, it can actually tolerated its own fear or anxiety for example
1: that's so true and you know in the rescue world they have what they call the boomerang dogs those are the dogs that i got back that nobody could work with uh-huh. and, and they had that severe separation anxiety and they were very fearful and and, and being in rescue, you're not quite sure what the dog has come with into into your home right. or, or into your organization. So that's why you, you said you let them work it out in your head. That's why I really love your show because it takes it to a different level and you work with mm-hmm. them in a different manner. And I think that it relates, especially in the world of rescue, I think it relates very well to what animal pet parents who are looking to get a dog. Maybe they're a little... Um, They have a little bit of fear, aggression. Maybe some of them are far more severe than that, but I really love the way that you work with them. Now, can you tell us about uh, Dog Impossible?
4: Sure. On Dog Impossible, we will see dogs whose behavior has been deemed impossible to remedy, uh, dogs who are facing being put down, dogs. We've got a dog named Monkey who's going to show up in a couple of episodes who had been adopted. Wonderful dog, really common, big uh, affable, goofy, loving pit bull rescue, but showed severe aggression on a leash. And the parents made a decision, like a lot of us would, to not take him out, not let him play with other dogs because they didn't actually know how to safely help get him to the other side of that. So for three years that they had had him, he had never interacted uh, with another dog in a play yard situation, in uh, on a leash, in a walking situation. And that dog and those people came to us for help. And you have to watch the show to see what happens. Yeah, but I can't wait. We'll tell you that we, we do the impossible um, on a regular basis. We see miracles daily. And I want to note, too, that for your listeners, that we don't use tricks, treats, commands, force, or fear. We have found that actually none of that is necessary. Going back to your, your original question about the relationship and the bonding, we actually use what's Simple and right in front of us, and set up safe scenarios and let the dogs work that stuff out. But science has shown now, and we've seen empirically, that the the dog's reward system and its brain fires more for its human's attention than anything else, which means anything outside of that has less value and is less sustainable for change.
1: You know, it's really interesting because I, I actually saw that in the show and, and some of the the work that you do, you, you can actually see, and you're working with the pet parent as well, but actually see mm-hmm. the change come about in the dog. It's it's all in its own head and and uh, – You know, some people say, okay, I'm going to give you a treat or this or that. It's the affection and, you know, we can control that, I guess is what I'm saying, as as pet parents control. But we some of us have to be trained in how to do it. And that's why what you do on Dog Impossible is a wonderful kind of roadmap to that. Now, I know you talked about monkey. Can you share anything else we could look um, for in the upcoming season?
4: Yeah, there's there's a there's a handful of dogs we, we covered. Thankfully, with with Nature Wild, we covered a lot of different dogs. Uh, we've got a couple of pugs, JB and Money Penny, and this is a normal. This is a really common experience. Generally, people don't think of pugs as being aggressive. They don't think of them as anything but lovable and cute and that kind of thing. And so, what what the parents who adopted those two pugs experienced is that their excessive and inappropriate affection was actually inhibiting the dogs from being able to go out and function independently in life. And they had a lot of leash reactivity. They had a lot of reactivity at a dog park. And they really got smaller. The world got smaller with the dogs because they didn't know how to help them. That is that is a wildly common experience. And then we cut to a more intense experience with a dog named Lou. And Lou is this um, stunning neighborhood hero in a neighborhood that's being gentrified and he is technically a stray dog, although he lives in a house with somebody who cares for him. Nobody can get a collar on him because of the severe abuse that he experienced as a puppy. But if we don't get a collar on him, then the city is going to do what is their job, and that is to catch him and then do whatever they're going to do with him. So we have to get a collar on Lou so that he doesn't get put down. And it covers the whole gamut, Dog Impossible, Uh People don't have to have dogs to appreciate this show because the power of transformation is palpable. People don't have to have dogs that are aggressive. What we are offering is a different way of looking at things that is accessible for anybody, and and I can safely say anybody. Not only because we've seen that happen for many many years now in my work, but because I was such a hot mess when I showed up into the dog world. So if it can work with me, it could probably work with anybody. <laughs> that's true.
1: That's that's funny. But I, and I got to ask you something. And and. In- I kind of know what your answer is, and so many of the listeners here, I think, are going to have the same answer as you're going to give me, but in your honest opinion, and you've worked with many dogs, is there such thing as a bad dog?
4: No, (laughs) never. You know, the Zen dog principle is there are no bad dogs. I've got thousands of dogs of, of evidence that prove that, and philosophically, there can't be bad dogs, because if there's a bad dog, then I've already put a judgment on the dog, and... And when I judge something, it limits my ability to be of service to it. So it keeps me in consideration and it keeps me in service. And that's actually what has saved my life.
1: That's so amazing. Now, Matt, where can the listeners go to learn more about you and learn more about Dog Impossible?
4: Oh, thank you for asking. Dog Impossible, you can find anything and everything about the Zen Dog on our website, theZendog.com. We are on Instagram under the Zendog LA and uh, and Facebook as well, and Twitter. And you can get more information just by following us. I do live Instagram feeds on a regular basis. In fact, before and after each episode, I take questions from viewers for 15 to 20 minutes, and uh, I just want to stay active and current and involved in the community that's growing in front of us. And Nat Geo Wild, you can find any and all of the information that you need about Dog Impossible. It does air Sunday nights. We are coming up on episode two of six episodes. Um, and my understanding now, because we just did the... Uh, We set it up on our Hulu Live that there's a 7 p.m. Pacific time. Uh I think shows are running now 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Last week, a show run at midnight. I see uh, repeats happening on Saturdays. So there's a lot of opportunities to see what we're doing on Dog Impossible. It's a dynamite show, and I'm really proud to be a part of it and, and to be able to stand by it, particularly in a community of people like yourself.
1: Thank you. And, and I I don't blame you. You should be proud of the show and you should be proud of all the the work that you're doing. It's, it's amazing. And, and, you know, as a member of the rescue community, I know how important it is, as I said, of the work that you do. And, and I, and I want to thank you, Matt, number one, thank you for being on our show. It's such an honor to have you here. And I want to thank you for all of the inspirational and the important work that you're doing with these dogs, whether they be aggressive or whether they have other challenges you, you do, you, it's the respect and the lead in love. You actually have uh, a very, as as you say, you're, you with your business Zen Dog. You have a very Zen way about approaching it, which I think so many of us do, and some others don't. But I think that that's the way that many of us have found. And to watch you do it, it's 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 really a very inspirational thing. Again, I want to congratulate you on Dog Impossible, and I want to remind everyone. Check Nat Geo Wild. I mean, it's it has, I think, all the listings, but it's on, I watch you Sundays at 10 o'clock Eastern Time. It's on 9 o'clock Central. Again, congratulations and all of you. It's very important that you watch this. It's a show that you don't have to have an aggressive dog to watch the show. You don't even have to be a pet parent to watch the show. It's kind of like a little life-altering experience, and you're going to be glad that you did watch it. So again, you can learn more about Matt at zendog.com. And, of course, visit Nat Geo Wild to to catch the latest episode. And, Matt, thank you again. It's been an honor to have you.
4: Thanks so much for having me. We're going to change the world.
1: Yes, we are. Thank you, and we'll be back in just a moment.
4: Has your pet ever suffered from digestive issues, anxiety, or joint pain? We want to address these issues and more with high-grade CBD oil from Alpha, made specifically for your furry friends. Using Alaskan salmon oil as a carrier, Alpha Pet's 500 CBD oil is lab tested for quality, consistency, and safety. Plus, we are giving Pet Life Radio listeners 25% off and free shipping with code PL25 for a limited time. So visit myalphacbd.com slash dogs now. That's myalphacbd.com forward slash dogs. Because your furry friends are family.
0: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet
1: we would like to thank our guests this week. And also, as our doggy divas always say, please love your pets because they love you unconditionally. And please remember to adopt, foster, spay, neuter, and microchip. And as always, Please have a great diva week everyone.
0: That's all for this episode of the Doggy Diva show. To find out more, go to our website, thedoggydiva.com. Also, find us on our Facebook page, The Doggy Diva Show, and tell your fellow dog lovers about it. Don't miss Susan Marie, Miss Olive, and the Doggy Divas right here for the next episode. See you again soon.